0: Soulmates, soulmates, welcome back to yet another Monday, December 19th. Thanks so much for joining us right here on Fox News Black Report as the countdown
1: to Christmas begins. I'm Courtney Hicks and I'm the quarter We are honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people, especially during the holiday season. That's right. We're going to bring you our news, our
0: views and our voice. Taking a look at today's top stories. We start with a story out of Maryland as Charles County deputies have arrested a man accused of killing his wife. Police say that on Friday after Noon. Thirty-three-year-old Travis Wood, shown here, showed up to the sheriff's office asking deputies to do a welfare check at his home. Now, when they arrived at that home in Wardolph, uh, they found his wife, Shonda Wood, shot and killed. Investigators quickly focused on Wood as the suspect and arrested him on multiple charges, including first and second-degree murder.
1: A former NBA star was arrested in Miami over the weekend, accused of hitting one of his teenage daughters in the face. Miami-Dade County court records show Amari Soudemire was taken into custody yesterday morning before being released on bond with a no-contact order. He's accused of slapping and punching his daughter, drawing blood. Stoudemire has two daughters, age 14 and 17, but the report doesn't specify which daughter was allegedly struck. He's facing a misdemeanor battery charge.
0: A man from suburban Seattle will serve two years in federal prison for threatening to shoot black customers at grocery stores in Buffalo, New York, and businesses in other states. Joey George pleaded guilty in November to making interstate threats and the hate crime of interference with a federally protected activity. Now, as a part of a plea agreement, George admitted he made phone calls threatening to shoot black customers at grocery stores in Buffalo, restaurants in California and Connecticut, and a marijuana dispensary in Maryland. Georgia's public defender says his client was uh, has autism and suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder after a traumatic abuse of childhood that caused him to dis- disassociate from reality.
1: A jury has found Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer not guilty on two criminal misdemeanor charges following a two-year-long criminal trial. Troyer faced one charge of false reporting and one charge of making a false or misleading statement to a public servant after he allegedly claimed an officer uh, on an officer line to 911 dispatch that Cedric Alfomier, a black newspaper carrier, threatened to kill him in January 2021. Troyer pleaded not guilty to the charges in October 2021. The state attorney general's office filed the charges against the sheriff after Governor Jay Inslee referred the case to the office. The attorney general's office cannot initiate a criminal investigation unless it receives and accepts a referral from a county prosecutor or governor. It took the jury less than a day to make its decision.
0: And this is why we continue to question, you know, whether you know going to the police, reporting, uh, you know, incidences such as this, or what we feel has been, you know, a violation, is worth it or not, Uh, you know, and the and why the fight for justice, or at least an explanation, or or just some kind of fair result, um, is 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 ongoing.
1: Yeah, and I think everybody deserves due process, and this is a big part of what the fight has and continues to be about it's due process Mm -hmm. we don't want you know, sheriffs out there, law enforcement out there, you know, operating as if they're above the law. And, you know, this case, you know, went to trial, and a jury has rendered their decision, and 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 folks will uh, act and govern themselves accordingly. We hope so. But it, but it puts law enforcement on notice, mm-hmm. you know, that people are watching, mm-hmm. and folks are unafraid to uh, take things to a court of law if necessary. That's true.
0: All right. In a new ruling, the North Carolina Supreme Court says lawmakers violated the constitutional rights of black voters by targeting them with racially motivated voter I.D. rules. Now, the ruling found Republican leaders intentionally wrote the state's 2018 voter I.D. law so that the requirements would harm black voters more than white voters. Another voter I.D. law from 2013 was struck down in federal court for similar reasons. It was one of the two major voting rights decisions the Supreme Court issued on Friday. Now, the other case deals with partisan gerrymandering and underscores the ability of state courts to rule political districts unconstitutionally for being gerrymandered to artificially boost the power and influence of one political party's voters at the expense of voters on the other side.
1: Attorney General Merrick Garland has taken action to end sentencing disparities that have imposed harsher penalties for different forms of cocaine and worsened racial inequity in the U.S. justice system. In a memo Friday to federal prosecutors, Garland wrote, for decades, federal law has imposed harsher sentences for crack cocaine, even though it isn't scientifically different from powder cocaine, creating unwarranted racial disparities. With changes to the laws stalled in Congress, Garland instructed prosecutors in nonviolent, low-level cases to file charges that avoid the mandatory minimum sentences that are triggered for smaller amounts of rock cocaine. Now on to... So, I'll
0: take it. So, mates, you're going to want to pay attention to this story because this fight is on and pop at popping as Senate Republicans are attempting to secure a plan to make sure the discrimination ban based on hair texture or styles does not become law, federal law, that is. Now, the legislation would make discrimination against a person because of his or her natural hair a federal crime if that person's hairstyle or texture is associated with a particular race or national origin. Senator Cory Booker led an effort to pass the CROWN Act, which stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair, with unanimous approval in the upper chamber. So President Biden could sign that into law. But following the lead of Senator Rand Paul, GOP senators blocked the bill from being passed in the Senate. Like I said, the fight
1: continues sure does now off to the black census project that's in it's final stretch working to make a public policy agenda focus on the needs of our people things are the the things are often not as engaged uh in conventional public polling and opinion research, but it's not meant to duplicate uh the once-a-decade federal population count from a couple years ago. Uh, we're referring to the thesis, the census. Uh, since February, canvassers have gone into black communities in nearly every U.S. state to conduct the confidential self-reporting survey, which is also available online. The survey, which takes about 10 minutes, asks participants their views on political representation in both parties, racial justice issues, and the coronavirus pandemic, among other topics. Now, if you have not completed the Black Census, you could do so by visiting blackcensus.org.
0: And you might have seen this story across social media as it definitely went viral. Delta Airlines is investigating allegations of racism from an Emmy-nominated children's TV writer who said he was denied boarding his flight from L.A. to Boston by a gate agent. Now, in a viral tweet, Darnell Lamont Walker, who is black, said he was turned away at a Delta gate in L.A. at that airport by a gate agent who is white, only to then watch several white passengers be allowed onto the plane. Now, Walker said that when a nearby customer remarked, quote, this seems racist, the gate agent responded by saying, quote, it is. As Walker waited uh, in the customer service line, he said he saw four other passengers approach the gate who were white and were allowed to board the flight. Now, in an email, Delta Airlines said the company was aware of the incident and it is uh, now being investigated. And if in fact, (laughs) like the story says, that gate agent said what they said, uh, they probably won't or don't have a job uh, right now because uh, clearly, Uh, whether it was out of frustration or if you really feel that way and and we can label you as a racist, clearly out of line.
1: I mean, there's just a lot of nastiness out there. You know, traveling these days, you know, is already, you know, ridden with with its Mm -hmm. challenges, especially during the holidays. And Mm -hmm. the last thing anybody wants is to feel as if they're being treated differently because of their race Mm -hmm. or or any other uh, characteristic. And so, you know, hat tip to the brother for for filing the complaint you know for for leaning into delta's process and Mm -hmm. we'll continue to keep our eye on this and 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 take a look at what delta uh discovers in the investigation, but more importantly, if they discover uh, malintent, what they're going to do about it.
0: Yeah. And and keeping it an even keel and not allowing that to escalate as maybe some passengers of color would have allowed that to go. So we'll definitely keep up on that and see what Delta has to say.
1: I know we fly Delta quite a bit. So we're paying extra close attention to this story.
0: And you were flying this weekend, coming up a White House exclusive only on Fox Soul's Black Report.
1: That's right. When we come back, it's the first part of my exclusive interview with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. You don't want to miss it. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report back in a moment.
0: I can't wait. Hurry back. Welcome back, Soulmates. We have a Fox Soul Black Report exclusive. I'm so excited. You're not going to see this, find this anywhere else.
1: That's right. From the Big Apple to the nation's capital, I spoke to White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre about everything from her start to her hopes for the future. Take a listen. Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House <laughs> Press Secretary. Be quite a lie, <laughs> My friend from 10 years ago. That's right.
2: Like 10, 15 years ago. That's
1: right, that's yeah. right, that's right. So it's been a year, or almost a year, almost a year you in this role. You started in the no, spring. No, it
2: hasn't been a year.
1: How long has it been?
2: I started mid-May.
1: Okay. Well, I'm rounding up.
2: No, I mean, you're rounding up (laughs) big time. It's been about seven months.
1: But, you know, tell us, you know, does walking through these White House gates, does it ever get old? It never
2: gets old. And uh, if it ever gets old, you probably shouldn't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, this is so historic. Uh, This is um, something that I think about every day when I walk onto these grounds, Mm -hmm. when I walk through the gate. Uh, it just always puts me in awe. I mean, look at the look at our backdrop. Our backdrop is the White House. Wow. And look there's at that. truly truly nothing like it. And, you know, but I think part of that is also working in this administration, working for the Biden Harris administration, which is a historic administration mm-hmm. that has gotten so much done for the American people if you think about the last almost 22 months. And you think about how we've really put equity at the center of everything. This is something that the president had wanted to do. When you think about the economic policy, you think about the student loan plan that he put forward. Mm -hmm. You think about, the Inflation Reduction Act, all of that has equity. So we are not forgotten. Our people are not forgotten in this administration. If anything, we're lifted, we're elevated. Just look at my role.
1: Yes. And speaking of your role, I mean, back to you, how would you describe your, you know, your first, you know, eight months or so in the role? How would you describe it in one word? Oh, one word. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh my gosh. It has been, yes, historic, yes, Uh, You know, uh, the best way that I can explain it is when I see people, when I go out there and I travel with the president or I travel on my own and I go out there, people come up to me and they're in tears
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: because of what it means to be standing at that podium for them, about what it means to be um, the person that's speaking for, the most powerful person in the world, really, and being able to deliver the message, be able to speak about the work that we're doing, and it is it's it still keeps me in awe at times yeah. because i was telling some i was telling somebody how we live in a bubble mm-hmm. i really do i think we live in a bubble and you are so focused on the work you're so focused on getting the work done that you don't sometimes you forget how many communities that uh that my world that the world that i'm in uh, hits mm-hmm. you think about the black community the gay community the immigrant community yeah and uh, it matters. It matters to so many people. And It goes back to representation. Yeah. How much representation matters. And if you look across this, this administration, you look at agencies, you look at this White House, and you look at the, who's running these uh-huh. offices, there's so much representation that matters on how we build policy, that matters on how we talk about mm. things, that matters on how we're going to move Forward, the Biden-Harris administration, yeah. and I think that matters. Repres- when we say representation yeah. matters, you see it right here, and I see it every day.
1: Now, when you first started off, you had a different idea of representation. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, you studied to go, you, you tried to go to medical school. I you were, did. You were I studying did. to go to medical I did. school. <laughs> you were studying very hard. I did. Uh, that was uh, an inflection point in your life for yeah. a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, you write about it in your book. Yes, I do. Uh, and, and
2: I talk about it it a lot with many many young people in particular yeah how do you go
1: how do you go from being a medical school student or trying to get in the medical school to being at the White House podium how does that even
2: happen I I actually think I have a story that's so important to so many people that there is no one path to getting to your dream or to getting to uh, a place that fulfills you Mm -hmm. there are many paths and I think my story shows that path Mm -hmm. and look I grew up in a household where my parents believed having a profession like a doctor or a lawyer or engineer yeah. will get you to wealth will get you to mm-hmm. uh, a place where you're successful and I decided very early on that that wasn't my path and it took me a while right it took me a while to find this path I always tell young people that you should follow your passion and one thing that I've learned recently is sometimes someone following up their passion is not available to everyone yeah. Uh, and I understand that, mm-hmm. but young folks that I meet, I say to them, follow your passion, go for that, right? Go for what you really, really, truly believe in mm-hmm. and do the work and everything else will come. There will be some times where you fall yeah. and you have to get back, get yourself back mm-hmm. up, but you'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but just getting to talking about the podium at this time and, and how I got to the podium, I think also you need someone, people who believe in you yeah. and support you. And look, I'm at that podium because this president yeah. and this first lady thought and believed that they, I was the one, mm-hmm. I was the person yeah. that the country needed to see on a daily basis.
0: Wow, part one. Part one. I'm so excited. Listen, I've got two questions. Yes. So you and the White House press secretary are just about each other's day ones. Talk about this 10-year uh, relationship. Who we, knew?
1: <laughs> well, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, we met through mutual friends mm-hmm. uh, when she moved to L.A. This is when she lived in L.A. briefly. And we became fast friends. and Nice. And, um, and, and it's beautiful thing to call her not just a friend but a colleague Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you know as you can see you know she spent you know holidays with family you know my mom showed up uh, during her her book tour stop in San Francisco Mm -hmm. Um, and you know she's also just a movement Builder as well. Um, she is a trailblazer. Uh, in all the years of this position, there has never been uh, a black gay woman of Haitian descent. Uh, and, you know, I think the ancestors rejoice.
0: Yeah, and I know you guys were, were walking outside on, on the grounds. Yes. So um, maybe in part two, uh, we'll, we'll see a little mm-hmm. bit more. But, uh, I, you know, I have to always ask and bring it down to the commoners like myself. How are the White House snacks? <laughs> <laughs> the food, the the, the ambiance. I remember being there, but we 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 were rushed so quickly and, and had to, we didn't get a chance to parlay at the White House. But I mean, snacks.
1: So we didn't we didn't have any White House snacks this oh, time. Oh man! <laughs> but, but but the White House typically has some pretty good snacks.
0: You, you talked about the grandeur, the the, the yeah. whole atmosphere. You talked about that in the beginning of of the walk for you. How did that feel?
1: I mean, it felt like a dream. It felt like a dream. Yeah. Like a dream. Yeah. I mean, I'm very honored to 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 be able to bring our soulmates to the people's house mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to speak to one of our people mm-hmm. who is checking for us every single day while she does her, her work uh, to represent the President of the United States. And so it was an amazing feeling, and I'm just so glad yeah. uh, we could bring all of our soulmates along.
0: That's right. It looked amazing. Can't wait for part two. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Congratulations on that. Thank you. All righty. Getting back to our headlines, Airbnb is stopping people from renting houses where enslaved people once lived. Now, according to the company's newly anti-discrimination report, Airbnb will ban listings of any residents on a plantation if structures that existed during the time of slavery are still present on the property. Now, the house cannot be rented or advertised if it was built for the purpose of slavery and renters are forbidden from promoting, quote, slavery-related features to create a sale. Now, back in July, the company was criticized when an 1830s slave cabin listing in Mississippi went viral on TikTok. Now, they removed that particular listing and issued an apology for not acting sooner after that backlash.
1: Black children and adults are reported missing in Columbia, Missouri, at a rate far exceeding their percentage of the population. Missing people of color, especially women and girls, rarely receive as much media attention as white women and a phenomenon known as, quote, missing white women syndrome. According to Missouri Missing, 40 percent of the sex-trafficked people are black women. Black children tend to go missing at a higher rate than their white counterparts, often labeled initially as runaways, causing a delayed response by police officers. This is according to the Black and Missing Foundation. As of early December, there were 47 missing people in Columbia, Missouri. Black adults made up more than a quarter of the missing adults, and black children made up more than 57 percent of missing children.
0: Black women make up 7% of Minnesota's population, but 40% of domestic violent victims. That's a part of the new findings in a report from the Missing and Murdered African American Women Task Force. Now, the numbers are alarming. Over 60,000 black women and girls are missing in the U.S., and black women are more than twice as likely than their peers to be victims of a homicide. Now, the task force wants to create a fund-specific Uh, spaces and resources to serve these women who have for generations experienced disproportionate violence. The Minnesota legislature is the first in the country to dedicate resources to prevent violence against black women and
1: girls. A federal appeals court on Friday dismissed a challenge to Connecticut's policy of allowing transgender girls to compete in girls' high school sports. In the decision, the three-judge panel of the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said, quote, all four plaintiffs had the opportunity to compete for state titles in different events, and on numerous occasions, plaintiffs were indeed champions, finishing first in various events, even sometimes when competing against transgender athletes. Plaintiffs simply have not been deprived of a chance to be champions. At least 12 Republican-led states have passed laws banning transgender women or girls in sports, based on the premise that it gives them an unfair competitive advantage. And Courtney, this is a big case. It's uh, huge. A lot of folks are paying attention to this. A lot of people don't know that those two plaintiffs, mm-hmm. uh, the transgender girls from Connecticut, are black girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know. We we can't look at this, this case as disconnected from the anti-trans legislation mm-hmm. uh, that's been sweeping through the country uh, just this week. And I had a chance to talk to uh, Amara Jones, who is uh, a trans Black uh, woman and journalist, award-winning journalist. And we talked about this very issue. And you know, this is an opportunity, I think, for people that look at trans issues as sort of separate and apart from Black issues, mm-hmm. um, to maybe take a second look at it and see it differently.
0: Yeah, but I, I think on the other side of that argument, and I'm definitely not. Anti-trans, uh, for sure. But I think, biologically speaking, I think the argument is that their bodies are, are still, you know, male, born male. And does that give them an advantage when you talk about, you know, past studies of of male bodies? "Quote unquote," being stronger than female bodies, and I think that's where you get the rub, and that's where you get the concern that you know biologically they're still male, and does that give them an advantage over um, biologically uh, born females? Yeah. So yeah. it's a and, big debate, and it's it's hard to it's hard to really you're right. come clear with
1: that. Well, it really is. But you know, but this is also part of why this case is such a big deal because mm-hmm. you have this three-panel judge that's saying, you know, hey, you all didn't have any competitive advantage you know, that mm-hmm. there were sports that they competed with the trans girls in uh, where the, the cisgender girls, they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll continue to track this. You know the, the, uh, the, the opposition uh, to this. Uh, plans to take this all the way to Supreme Court if they can. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, still ahead, part two to our exclusive interview with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. Exciting stuff
0: here, right here on Fox News Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So, mate, you know, we appreciate you. If you're just joining us, we're going to run back today's top stories. We start in Maryland as Charles County deputies have arrested a man accused of killing his wife. Police say on Friday afternoon, 33 year old Travis Wood showed up to the sheriff's office asking deputies to do a welfare check on his home. Now, when they arrived at that home in Waldorf, they found his wife, Shonda Wood shot and killed. Investigators quickly focused on Wood as the suspect and arrested him on multiple charges, including first and second degree murder. A former NBA star was arrested in Miami over the weekend, accused of hitting one of his teenage daughters in the face. Miami Dade County court records show Amari Stoudemire was taken into custody yesterday morning before being released on bond with a no contact order. He's accused of slapping and punching his daughter, actually drawing blood. Sotomayor has two daughters, age 14 and 17, but the report doesn't specify which daughter was allegedly struck. He is facing a misdemeanor battery charge. And Joey George from suburban Seattle will serve two years in federal prison for threatening to shoot black customers at grocery stores in Buffalo, New York, and businesses in other states. Now, George pleaded guilty in November to making interstate threats and the hate crime of interference of a federal protected activity. Now, as a part of that plea agreement, George admitted he made phone calls threatening to shoot black customers at grocery stores in Buffalo restaurants in California and Connecticut and a marijuana dispensary in Maryland. Georgia's public defender says his client has autism and suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder after a traumatic abuse of childhood that caused him to disassociate from reality. And lastly, you might want to pay attention to this one, soulmates. Senate Republicans are attempting to secure a plan to make sure the discrimination based on hair texture or styles does not become federal law. Now, the legislation would make discrimination against a Person because of his or her natural hair, a federal crime if that person's hairstyle or texture is commonly associated with a particular race or national origin. Now, Senator Cory Booker led an effort to pass the Crown Act, which stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair with unanimous approval in the upper chamber so President Joe Biden could sign it into law. But following the lead of Senator Rand Paul, GOP senators block the bill from being passed in the Senate as that fight will continue.
1: Well, thank you, Courtney. Uh, now off to the Netherlands, where they're expected to become one of the few nations to apologize for its role in slavery. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte plans to speak in the Netherlands as members of his cabinet give speeches in seven former Caribbean colonies. Symbolism around crimes against humanity is controversial everywhere, and debates over the apology are growing in the Caribbean countries. The Dutch first became involved in the transatlantic slave trade in the late 1500s, but did not become a major trader until the mid-1600s, when they seized Portuguese fortresses along Africa's west coast and plantations in northeastern Brazil. According to the Associated Press, if, as expected, the government issues a formal apology, it will put the Netherlands, which has a long history of progressive thinking and liberal laws, in the vanguard of nations and global institutions seeking to atone for their roles in historical horrors.
0: Visa is making a groundbreaking investment into Africa's overall economy by pledging $1 billion over the next five years. The financial giant made the announcement during President Biden's three-day U.S. Africa summit in D.C. Hoping to capitalize on the continent's rapid growth in digital payments, in a statement, Visa officials said they quote look forward to continuing to work closely with our partners to advance the financial eco- ecosystem, uh, ecosystem rather, accelerate digita- digitization and to build resilient, innovative and inclusive economies that will create shared opportunity and further spur Africa's digital economy. Now, Africa's thriving e-payments market is expected to grow by nearly 20 percent a year, reaching around 40 billion by 2025. Visa has hired over 50 Percent more employees in Africa since the end of 2019. Now, the plan is for the investment to scale visas' operations in Africa and deepen ties with the continent's governments, fintechs, and merchants.
1: California's only HBCU is aiming to solve a black doctor shortage. A recent study in the Journal of General Internal Medicine found that black medical students at HBCUs felt a greater sense of belonging and reported higher confidence in their academic abilities compared to those attending predominantly white medical schools. Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science in Los Angeles is California's only historical black university. The university has graduated more than 900 physicians since 1981 through a joint program with ucla next year charles drew will start its own medical school in the hopes of training even more culturally competent doctors the california legislature has set aside 50 million dollars to support the new program which school leaders say will be used to build a new health profession building with a simulation and virtual anatomy training facility construction is scheduled to begin in 2023 and be complete in 2025 Look, at California, Look leading, at California leading the nation.
0: Your home state, and and it really speaks to the whole idea of very maybe early on. And I know you know science and math isn't for everybody. It wasn't for me. I'm more of a artsy fartsy kind of person. But the whole idea of of at least introducing STEM to our young babies very early on, because I, I feel we are born into this world very brilliant. It's just as we continue to matriculate through life, we get a little uh, get a little off sometimes. But I think it speaks to the importance of introducing STEM. Uh, Uh, very early on to maybe encourage or inspire uh, young black babies to maybe become doctors. And I also uh, feel like it it also speaks to the whole idea of um, access. Yeah. Access and exposure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I really just want to salute uh, the folks over at Charles Drew University mm-hmm. because you know we all remember the darkest days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and we understood very clearly that message and messenger matters. When our community heard from Black doctors and Black nurses um, and got the edu- got the information that they needed, mm-hmm. they were more inclined to trust the vaccine. They That's were more right. inclined, you know, to to do all the things to keep themselves and their families safe. And so it's good to see the California State legislature investing in a black HBCU a black mm-hmm. medical school and hopefully there are other states that, that follow suit because uh, you know having black nurses and doctors, uh, available in our communities can actually save lives it's critical
0: especially when they when they look like us and we say this is what hurts this is what's wrong for, for us to actually
1: be believed <laughs> that helps out a lot too that's right mm-hmm. that's right well now on to someone who is representing several different groups i'm talking about white house press secretary Corinne jean pierre in part two of our exclusive interview we discuss mental health in the black community and achievements made for our community by the administration. Take a listen. I've got to ask you on a very yeah. personal note, yeah. uh, and you know that I have a brother that died of suicide. Yeah. I know in your book, yeah. page 46 specifically, wow. you know, you talk about, yeah. you know, how once upon a time you actually contemplated suicide. Yeah. What would you say to the young Korean that was on yeah. the other side of where you're standing today?
2: Wow, that's such a good story. Uh, good, good question. Um, because yesterday I actually talked about this at the podium, especially in this time, people are having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we heard about a, a recent um, suicide. Um, Twitch. Twitch, yeah. yeah. And I, when I heard that story, that really hit me mm-hmm. uh, because you never know what people are going through and I think it is a reminder to be kind to ourselves uh, and to understand, and it's, it's easy to say it now, it's so hard at that time, but you are loved, and there are people who want to see you you know, live and be successful, and at the time it is so hard. And that, when I heard that story, it really hit home. And I would tell a young Korean to keep your, your head up, mm-hmm. to follow that passion. There are people who love you. You are going to do great and amazing things and to trust in yourself. Uh, and you know, for folks who are having a hard time to reach out. Yeah. You know, it's important to reach out and talk to someone. And I know it's so easy to say that right? right mm-hmm. now as I'm standing here in my own success, uh-huh. but just I want folks to know that I've been there And I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is. And, um, you know, we love you. We love you and we are here for you.
1: How do you want to be remembered in one word?
2: That's not That's a tough question. (laughs) And QQ, right? Your tenure here will
1: be long, I'm sure. But
2: I hope so. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But how do you want to be remembered?
2: Man, I just want to be remembered as someone who always put her heart in everything and um, and wanted to do good. And that's how I lead, you know, and sometimes it's not easy. I really wanted to make a difference in this space, in this world. Um, it's not one word because it's so much more than one mm-hmm. word. And I hope that every day I'm at that podium, every day that I'm in this administration working for this president, uh, that I that people see that, that people see that I'm putting my heart into it, uh, that, I, that I believe in everything that we are doing here uh, to make sure that we deliver for people who are forgotten. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me wake up every morning. That's what makes me come, come through these gates. Every morning and work inside this this White House is because I believe that in this in this administration, the Biden Harris administration, that we are doing good, and we are trying to lift people up and not forget anyone. And that has been a promise that uh, you know this president made during the campaign, and that we're
1: keeping. And last question, Kareen, what's your message to Black folks? Black folks have been, yeah. uh, you know, you know, have had. A lot of different feelings about this administration from the very beginning, some yeah. fair, some unfair. Uh, that's a large part of our audience. Yeah. What's your message to black folks out there uh, as you head into uh, as we head into 2023, the next year of this yeah. administration?
2: So I think that if you look at this administration, if you look at what this president has done, this has been an, an administration that has been the most effective the most consequential in history. And I say that with facts. I say that by looking at our record. I say that by looking at what this president does. He always says, watch me. And if you watch him and you've watched the policies that he's delivered on, you think about HBCUs, $6 billion, almost $6 billion to HBCUs, which is a historic amount uh, that's going to help People like me and you Mm -hmm. back in the day when we were trying to figure out what we were trying to do with our career and our lives, Uh, and so that's really important. You look at the environment, the part environmental policy. I'm thinking economic policy that we he has put together and put forth. You think about the bipartisan infrastructure legislation. You think about the Inflation Reduction Act, and I'm I'm saying these big names, but. We're talking about lowering costs for prescription drugs. That matters. That matters to my mom. That matters to your mom. Mm -hmm. That matters to our grandparents. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think about uh, the energy costs that we pay. The president is going to, because of this piece of legislation that he signs, going to lower those costs. And we put equity at the center of everything that we did Uh, because the president has always said, we're going to build this, this economy from the bottom up and the middle out and not forgetting anyone, not forgetting anybody at all. You think about the unemployment rate that has gone down. When we walked in, when this president walked in, the economy was in a downturn. There was COVID that was really ravaging lives and taking thousands of lives. And he took a step that people thought he wouldn't be able to get done. And he passed a big piece of legislation that put money in people's pockets right away that made sure that people got shots in their arms so that we, and it was done in an equitable way, that we didn't forget the brown and black communities. And because of that, you see unemployment rate going down, you see jobs creation, historic job creation. So again, this has been a historic, uh, historic administration for the first to almost two years and you just have to watch him and you have to look at the record and see how he has delivered and we're going to continue doing that let's not forget one of my favorites kataji brown
1: oh yeah kbj kbj
2: right and that is something that is going to have a major effect on our court system having this black woman, this first black woman in the Supreme Court, and let's, let's not forget all of the other federal, the federal courts that we have been able to change the complexion of how that, those courts look like uh, because the president has kept his promise on making sure that we have black, other, black women and people of color uh, at, at that level as well. So I think we've delivered and kept our promise to the, to the community, to the black community, to our community.
1: All right, we heard it here. KJP <laughs> opining on KBJ. That's right, and NQQ
2: <laughs> interviewing KJP. We love it. There we it. go, we there love we go. It. We love
1: it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here on Fox Soul's Black Report. Thank you,
0: friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. warm, transparent, even though it was chilly out there, I know it was a cold D.C. <laughs> evening, but warm, transparent, sincere, and you really saw her from the other side of the microphone. Because every time we see her, she is at that podium. Yeah. And she is either defending or, um, you know, sometimes breaking some bad news or giving us some good news in the case of, like, you know, Brittany Griner. But to see her in this light was um, very interesting.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so. And, and yeah. you know, when you say transparent and sincere, that's a big part of, mm-hmm. of who Karine Jean-Pierre is. That's uh, how who I've known her to be over so many years. Um, in her book, just sort of back to that mental health piece mm-hmm. that she talked about. Talked about, you know, having, um, uh, you know, considered suicide. Uh, In her book, on page 46, she says, "Quotes: I felt like an idiot. Thanks in large part to my inability to confront my sexuality, I was so afraid of who I really was that I invested absolutely everything into who my parents and siblings thought I was and wanted me to be. Becoming a doctor was to be my saving grace. I had always clung to it as if." that were my life raft. So when I failed at this one thing, my entire world crumbled. I wanted to die. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, Kareen wanted to make sure I share with all of our soulmates is the 388 mental health hotline, uh, or so, excuse me, the 988 uh, mental health hotline uh, for anybody that is Contemplating uh, suicide or dealing with any sort of mental health struggles, uh, she wanted me to encourage folks to use that number uh, to call out for help. Uh, we're certainly glad uh, that she survived that attempt, because uh, imagine we wouldn't be celebrating right. this historic first uh, in all of her glory if right. uh, if that had happened.
0: And shoot her a text. I need that uh, coat in a size <laughs> eight and those uh, boots in a nine and a half wide. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic work, Nick Cordillac. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you, thank that. you, thank
1: you. And thanks to Corigio Pierre and the whole White House team for helping to yeah. make that happen. Teamwork makes the That's dream work. That's right,
0: absolutely amazing. All right, let's tap into a little bit more black excellence as Chris Paul shows us that he can not only win on the court, but also in the classroom. After the Phoenix Suns point guard helped his team beat the L.A. Clippers last Thursday, he jumped on a plane and headed to North Carolina to walk across the Winston-Salem State University stage the next day to accept his bachelor's degree in communications. Paul, who is from Winston-Salem, enrolled in the Historically Black University back in 2020 to finish his studies. He also gifted each person in his graduating class $2,500. $2500. Now over the years, CP3 has made major contributions to the HBCU, HBCU, that's it, community. He's created an internship pipeline at North Carolina A&T and produced a docu-series to highlight the lack of resources for HBCU athletic programs. He's also been a part of two different basketball showcases featuring HBCUs, salute to CP3.
1: Speaking of our beloved HBCUs, North Carolina Central defeated previously undefeated Jackson State 41 to 34 in overtime to win the 2022 Celebration Bowl. The win is North Carolina Central's first Celebration Bowl title. It took the first overtime in Celebration Bowl history to decide the 2022 winner. North Carolina Central's first Celebration Bowl victory came in dramatic fashion. Not only were the Eagles sizable underdogs, but they managed to knock off a Jackson State team that went 12-0 in the regular season under Deion Sanders and 27-6 overall in three seasons with their time at Jackson State over. Dion and Shouter Sanders will now make their way to Colorado, where they will try to rebuild one of the worst Division One programs in major college football. Coming up, we've got advice for your personal finances for this holiday season and going well into the new year.
0: That's right. Financial advisor Rob Fortune will be joining us after the break. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report.
1: All right, soulmates. Holiday season is the one time of year when people are forced to reckon with their finances. Mm-hmm. And as we get closer to Christmas and look forward to the new year, here at Foxholes Black Report, we want to encourage our soulmates to take their personal finances into their own hands. That's
0: right. Our guest today, Robert Fortune, pun intended, is a financial services professional uh, for more than fifteen years with J.P. Morgan Chase before starting his own uh, Fortune Advisory Service. With clients from ages eight to eighty, uh, Robert is here to share uh, investment advice. Welcome, Robert uh, Rob, and maybe the, the financial gods just knew that this was going to be your area once you once you hit this earth, huh? <laughs> what a yeah, great uh, last name!
3: Yeah, the name is something uh, that that I'm very proud of. Um, it's funny when I was younger, I had no interest in being in business, but like you said, it was almost destined for me to be able That's to bring right. this this to the people.
0: That's right. Well, welcome. Thanks for uh, taking some time for us today.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was written in the stars. And so, you know, so tell us, Rob, uh, holiday season can do a number on one's personal finances. And, you know, it's not unusual for people to rack up more debt. Um, Help us understand, what are some guardrails that we can build for ourselves and our families to to prevent us from, you know, sort of going off the deep end Mm -hmm. and starting the new year deep in
3: debt? (laughs) Yeah, I think first and foremost, you have to, you know, get comfortable with budgeting. I think uh, especially in our community, budgeting tends to be like a four letter word. Um, but if you can set goals for yourself and figure out what you're trying to accomplish for that time frame, whether it's Christmas or buying a new home or sell, or buying a new car. Now you're you have sec- sections where you can get to where you're saying, OK, this is what I'm saving for. And you can help avoid those pitfalls of, you know, the marketing evens that we have out there.
0: Yeah, you talked about uh, you know budgeting, and so this rolls into, into my question for you. When we go about developing a plan, a personal plan for, for building our wealth, um, you know, you talk about a long term approach, and sometimes I can overwhelm uh, customers and clients. You know, what what is something that you suggest uh, very uh, short term that maybe we can do to start um, saving? Is it just trying to figure out how much you can set aside every month and 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 put it in a savings account, or maybe even under the mattress or in the piggy bank? Does it start as simple as that? Can we start there maybe?
3: It is as simple as that because what you're trying to do is create habits. Mm -hmm. You're trying to say, I get comfortable getting money that I'm earning. I'm trading my time so I can get this money. How do I section that so I can pay myself first? That's really what I started my financial journey on is learning how to pay myself first Mm -hmm. whenever I make an income. So then next thing is um, now that I save for me to go figure out what I can go spend discretionary monies on.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about discipline here. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: And speaking speaking of habits, I'm just wondering, just from your practice, what are some of the mo- most frequent bad habits that you've encountered mm. that have, have really led people off those guardrails, have sort of allowed people to stray from whatever plan they may have generated?
3: I think it's just trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? I'm mm. trying to showcase, you know, that I am wealthy or that I am successful. A lot of us have become very successful We have college degrees, we have great jobs, and we're making six-plus figures. But we want people to know, as opposed to saying, how do I set myself and my family up for the future? Because investing is a long-term proposition. If you're not thinking about it 5, 10, 15 years down the line, you're going to fall for those pitfalls because I want to drive the BMW. I want to have the house with the picket fence. But what's best for me and my family should be paramount for every decision you're making financially.
0: Yeah, Rob, we have about 30 seconds here, but the the, the real estate uh, industry is always either hot or cold. If we're going into the new year, buyer, seller, uh, some just general sound advice uh, for those. Uh, maybe tapping into that area.
3: Yeah, so make sure you're staying within your budget. Make sure you're staying within your own means. Don't go over. If you can afford a $500,000 house, don't look for the $600,000, 700000 one. Make sure you're buying the house that suits you best, that fits your family the best for what you're trying to accomplish. Make sure you can grow into it if you're looking to do it or have a plan to say, I'm only gonna be here for a set amount years, sell it so I can get into something bigger create plans, structure yourself, it's gonna put you in a much better position to be financially sound.
0: Have a wonderful safe holiday season, we appreciate you.
3: Thank you guys so much for having me, thank you.
0: Indeed. There's more Foxhole Black Report still ahead. Yes, when we come back, we go behind the scenes and wrap up his, ex, our exclusive interview with the White House press secretary. I mean, like he was there in person, like there. Right and you were the there in House. spirit. Welcome back, soulmates. We so hope you've enjoyed our exclusive interview only on Fox Soul's Black Report.
1: That's right, but before we go, we have a little behind the scenes and the final part of our interview with Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary. Mm-hmm. What's it like from this perch?
2: It's so funny, I've never sat in these seats before, at least not back here. I think I've sat up there. A Fox Soul Black uh, Report yeah. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's like, I, I see the lure from here. Even when I'm at the po- podium and I, I, I look out and I'm like, wow, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm here at the podium taking questions. You know, it, 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 it never gets old. Never gets old? It never gets old. It never gets old, it can't. There's too much at stake for it to get
1: old. And I would imagine, especially when you get to step to the podium yeah. and you get to report good news, yeah. like the return of Brittany Griner.
2: The return of Brittany Griner was, a, it was a, such a proud moment for me. Um, because of everything that she meant to us, and she meant to me. And I was, uh, I, it, was a, it was a good day. And I got to speak to Shirelle before uh, I went to the podium so I can get her perspective, and I asked her, what is it that you want me to say uh, as I'm at the podium? So it was really, it was just, it was, it was an emotional day, I think, mm-hmm. for all of us. Mm-hmm. And one of those days that reminds you uh, why you're here, why we're here working in this administration, you know, um, and he, ke- another promise kept. He made a promise and he kept it.
1: And we're grateful for
2: it. And we are very grateful for it. And we're grateful for your time. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm always here for you, my friend. <laughs> yes, always. yes, I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> only, only you. We hop on a plane mid-show. Oh. I told the folks, like, we're going to meet with Kareem. All right. Well, right. Hopefully, hopefully we don't <laughs> disappoint. Yeah, <right>? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ni cordiali corte, that absolutely did not disappoint. What an amazing journey. What an amazing journey. An incredible
1: journey. Incredible yeah. journey. Yeah. And I'm just so, so privileged that, you know, the first time that she actually sat in the, in the seats of the say, White House Press Corps, she, she did it with us. She did it with Foxhole Black Report. And so I think that was pretty cool. Were
0: they plush? You know, I you know I have to get the inside. They How were, did it, what was it They feel? were fairly comfortable. Did it feel I mean, like first class? They're comfortable now. Did it enough. feel like Air Force Two seats?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not Air no, Force no, Two. No, really.
0: What I loved about that last uh, clip there was, you know, being able to bring home that good news about Brittany Griner. She seemed to be pretty excited about yeah. that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brittany Griner, and then she also talked about, uh, you know, really just the grandeur, the mm. her, the awe of of watching the podium from that vantage point Mm -hmm. you know she'd Mm -hmm. never experienced that before and Mm so you know she can she can kind of get um how people get caught up in sort of the allure of of that podium and what that podium represents uh but you know i've got to tell you you know hearing her talk about Brittany griner Mm -hmm. and how that was one of you know the good days on the job Mm um uh, that was really, really, really special because, as you know, we've been tracking that story very closely, and so yes. it's good to know that that story was just as meaningful to her as it is to all of us.
0: Well, amazing job, Ni Cordelai-Corte, our uh, producer, Aaron Amos, That's and right. your photog there.
1: That's right. Julian I'm, Thomas. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Neat Cordelai-Corte. Until next time, stay, stay lifted. lifted.
0: Great job. That was excellent. So proud of you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Good job, team. <laughs> Teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work.